You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the gracious the merciful Assalamu alaikum may peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to another 2 hour live program uh, here at Voice of Islam. Uh, we're bringing to you uh, two very important topics again uh, today in the first hour um, we'll be discussing beauty whether it's a blessing or curse um, does beauty affect our judgment and emotions would be the questions that we'll be asking our uh, guests on the show and uh, those of you who are listening in do call in and give us your your insight and your opinions into this topic and in the second hour uh, we'll be discussing poverty in current times um, you know, more 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 often than not, we 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 when we're speaking of poverty, we don't really have uh, the United Kingdom in mind, and we're speaking of uh, countries that are far away from us uh, in distance. But uh, today's topic would be a bit different, so stay tuned with us. Um, you're joined by myself, Rahil Ahmed, and in shortly, I'll have my co-host uh, in the studio. Uh, Safir Ahmed as well. Um, so, starting off the program, I mean, uh, does beauty affect our judgment and emotions? Um, a study led by the social psychologist uh, Christoph uh, Kelbel at Melbourne University, Australia, showed that people ascribe greater purity to beautiful animals, people, and even buildings. Um, look at this, you know, looking at this topic, um, you know, we we see uh, that, you know, whenever here we're, we're speaking any particular topic here at Voice, Voice of Islam, uh, we do bring in the Islamic element as it is the Voice of Islam. So in chapter 3, verse 15 of the Holy Quran, um, we have a verse which, which uh, you know, alludes to this topic, which, which speaks about this topic. Uh, Allah the Almighty states, Beautified for men is the love of desired things women and children and stored up heaps of gold and silver and pastured horses and cattle and crops that is the provision of the present life but it is Allah with whom is an excellent home now this sort of suggests three things for us um, you know we are drawn to beautiful things a very close you know relationship we could say between love and beauty and having beautiful things is a distraction uh, in a way from our, or could be a distraction, I, sh- I should say, um, from our spiritual purpose. Um, do we have a beauty bias? Um, why do we prefer beauty over ugliness? Uh, does being beautiful outwardly affect our mor- morality? Uh, you know, less good, less willing to care and share. Um, some findings may seem obvious, but some of our discussion may just surprise you. So. You know, usually you, you, you hear this, um, you know, saying where, you know, it is said beauty in the eye of the beholder. Uh, beauty is a very subjective, uh, you know, topic, uh, but a few things, you know, uh, point to a universal understanding of what is attractive. 
uh, you know, symmetry in features, absence of flaws and shape. For example, you know, study by Houston and Rice universities found that the control group of attractive people scored higher in a job interview than, uh, you know, um, uh, attractive people, you know, they scored higher in an interview than the group with facial scars or, you know, birthmarks and disfigurements. Why is that? Um, and they, they, they came to a conclusion that um, less information was remembered about the people with uh, disfigurements other than their disfigurement. So the interviews, um, you know, um, were basically focused or spent, you know, all their time stigmatizing, uh, you know, the candidate with scars or birthmarks. So I didn't really listen, uh, you know, with sincerity and as intently to what they were actually saying. And other things such as, you know, other things are cultural. We have skin color and, you know, weight. Um, so we've got, you know, various examples and, you know, various things that we can tap into and we can discuss. But uh, we do, I do have in myself, uh, my co-host, Safir. Uh, thank God we have you in the studio now. <laughs> finally, Dayl, finally. Yeah. How are you doing? You're right. Assalamualaikum. How are you? You're right. How was the traffic? Uh, traffic wasn't bad. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, it wasn't too bad, but... Okay. Uh, yeah, good to be back. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good, to, feels, it's good uh, to have you. It's good to have you. It's like a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the topic that we we're, we're discussing is you know beauty, whether it's a, a blessing or a curse. I mean, the, of yeah. course, we're going to be speaking to various guests, but when you when when we t- speak about this topic, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, first thing that comes to 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 my mind is that uh, there there is there is no difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that you know. Um, Everybody has been created by God in a beautiful way, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what um, you know. We we need to know. We need more in society this perception that you know mm-hmm. um, everyone has this beautiful aspect that they have been given uh, mm-hmm. in in creation, and we cannot you know mm-hmm. um, say that a white person or a person with a fair skin, as you were talking, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. But people have perceptions that mm-hmm. um, they are, are more beautiful or they are more intelligent or mm-hmm. uh, better in any way than a person that's of a dark skin. So mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> there's a lot uh, of uh, changes that have come um, mm. in, in recent years. There's been a lot of push uh, to create equality, diversity, but still we see that there are still so many issues. Um, and Absolutely. that's why I think it's a great topic. Yep, yep, of course. Uh, and we'll be discussing to, uh, you know, three very important guests that we have uh, for you today. And, and also, you know, we always encourage here for our listeners to call in and, 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 and give their opinion on, on the topic that we're discussing. The number is 0208-687-7878 is the number to call. Uh, but, Safir, just there, the point that you were mentioning about, mm. you know, um, you know, skin color and, uh, you know, the beauty standards being, you know, ascribed to a certain way or, you know, a, a certain way that a person looks, mm. you know, especially the fairer skin. Although do you see, you do see certain changes now in the, yeah. in the, you know, beauty side of things and, um, you know, uh, but, but I think a lot of it also comes <coughs> from, uh, you know, the people uh, who are being, uh, you know, looked down upon themselves because they have this idea because, you know, of course, um, you know, I know growing up in you know Pakistan and stuff, you would see 
um, these billboards, mm-hmm. okay, of of various advertisement mm-hmm. uh, advertisement of um, various beauty creams, skin whitening creams, mm-hmm. and all of this. Mm-hmm. And this is the same case when I went to Africa. Uh, you know, you also witnessed that there. And 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 this kind of tells you that you know this inferiority complex yep. that 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 yeah. uh, you know um, the uh, you know some some of these third world countries have that first of all needs to be removed. But yeah, we were discussing this inferiority complex, and 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 especially I've seen His Holiness recently. Someone asked a question. It may not be directly linked to this topic, mm. but it was about cancel culture, right? Um, and you know th- that sort of guidance it's is fundamental in its principle and it, it, it could be applied any anywhere yeah and this 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 young girl was asking his holiness as these days we see certain people having certain opinions you know although we have this freedom of speech and all of these things but when someone says something that's you know that's not in accordance uh, with you know uh, you know the current times or the views of the current times uh, they get cancelled out mm-hmm. right and there are many examples so what do we do in this case and his holiness you know um, replied really beautifully and he says you have claimed that you're going to take charge of the world, mm. that you're going to be an example. You're, you're not followers. You're you're going to be leaders. Mm. So why should that impact you? Yeah, you know. Uh, and a lot of the times that is the case because we, as we speak to our friends and stuff like that, they have to be very wary of you know uh, their surroundings and mm. and and the workplace that they're in, that they can't voice uh, you know, even in a slightest manner they can't voice their opinions on on certain matters. Um, yeah. So I think we do have. Uh, 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 our first guest, uh, Gabriela Guilu, uh, on the line, who is a researcher of neuroscience and behavioral laboratory uh, at the Italian Institute of Technology uh, from Rome, Italy. Assalamu alaikum. May peace and blessing of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hi. Thanks for having me online. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so we're discussing this topic of beauty, whether it's a blessing or curse. Um, you know, there's so much that we can discuss, but for you, you know, particularly, we wanted to ask. Um, I mean, you looked into um, the relationship between beauty and trustworthiness uh, during the pandemic, especially. How far would you say uh, that the public trusted attractive uh, people more than unattractive people in a crisis? Right. So in our research, what we have found is that attractive strangers were trusted more than less attractive strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, the results of our study confirmed that during the initial stages of the pandemic, individuals displayed a higher level of trustworthiness toward attractive strangers as compared to non-attractive strangers. Mm-hmm. However, if we compare this data with like pre-pandemic data, mm-hmm. we noticed that there was a significant decrease in the perceived trustworthiness of both attractive and non-attractive adults. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, such a change was not found when participants were asked to rate the trustworthiness of children's faces. Mm. What we also tried to do is to manipulate some photos. So we uh, photoshopped some face masks on the top of these faces, and we redid the study, uh, trying to verify if the presence of the face mask affected the perception of trustworthiness. And what happened is that even in this case, even when the face is covered and we are clearly uh, trying to bias participants to think about the pandemic, mm-hmm. attractive individuals were still trusted more than non-attractive individuals. Mm. That's, and, that's actually yeah. very, very uh, interesting. And um, did your study on, on a bit of a lighter note include, you know, attractive people saying take the vaccine and people took it <laughs> and then, or, you know, any, 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 anything of that sort? Um, n- not with the current data, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what did it include? I mean, if, if, if you could elaborate a little more, what did, what did that study include? What, what, was, what were some of the things that you guys were doing? So what we were doing, we were showing pictures of uh, faces of different uh, ethnicities, mostly Caucasian and mm. uh, Asian individuals. And there were faces of adults, of elders, of children, males mm. and females. So mm. we had like a variety of faces. And what we were asking our participants is to determine or to tell us mm-hmm. how much they think a person is attractive and how much they would trust that person. Mm. Very interesting. And, and so was there any difference like um, uh, in, in statistic of um, um, attractiveness and, and trustworthiness? So were the different faces? Okay, so what we found is that uh, regardless of the gender and uh, of the ethnicity, let's say, of the faces that we were showing, but mm-hmm. also of the ethnicity of the rater, so the participants that volunteered in our study, there was this consistent relationship between how much they think someone is uh, aesthetically pleasant and mm-hmm. trustworthy. The only difference was uh, when we showed pictures of children, children were always trusted more than adults. Mm-hmm. And that obviously leads uh, leads me nicely to the next question, which is why do people tend to trust children more than, than adults? Right. So here there are multiple possible explanations, but mm. the most commonly accepted <coughs> relies on the importance of children in our society. Mm. We, as adults, have a kind of sense of urgency to look out for youngsters, for what we define as the offspring. And this is generally defined as an altruistic response toward infants. So past studies demonstrated that this uh, response, specific response toward the protection of children, is consistent across children of different ethnicities. So if I am looking at a child which is white, Asian, or black, I will still have the same physiological reaction toward them. Mm. Um, so what science suggests is that as adults, we may be more prone to evaluate the trustworthiness of others based on the appearance. But when it happens that we are rating children, the different, uh, let's say, mechanisms that led to such a judgment are not based on the same trait. So we know, that, for example, that when we look at odors, there is a threat response that we evaluate immediately. And this seems not to happen when we evaluate faces of children. Mm-hmm. As such, we may be more prone to trust children more because we feel less intimidated <coughs> by them, in mm-hmm. a sense, mm-hmm. and more protective toward them at the same time. Mm, very interesting. Um, in what sense, then, would you you know, say that um, adults with childish features, let's say, you know, encourage more positive feelings? So there is a big field of study that focuses on adult individuals that display the so-called childish trait. So, mm-hmm. for example, bigger eyes, rounder cheeks, and all these uh, facial features that are usually found in infants and children. So what we know from past work is that individuals with such traits are usually perceived as more genuine or honest, also trustworthy and warm. And it's not only related to this kind of trait, but we also have evidence that there are better judgments of intellectual traits as well. So someone that looks like uh, with bigger eyes, so defined like childish, childish features, is also perceived as more intelligent and more competent. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the pathway for this is not clear yet, mm-hmm. but it seems the, the way is that, as I was saying, we associate different uh, traits when we, associate, when we need to evaluate the trustworthiness of children, we base ourselves on different pathways and such when we evaluate adults that display childlike features, 
we are more prone to associate them to children and our perception of them is such effective. Gabriele, uh, would you say that the halo effect holds true globally or is it uh, just a Western phenomenon? Right. Uh, so, for, for, for context, what you define as the halo effect in our work is mm. the relationship, the correlation between someone's uh, appearance and trust. Mm. So that the higher the level of appearance, let's say, the more someone is aesthetically pleasant, the higher the rating of trust is. So in our study, we compared, as I was saying, Caucasians and Asians mostly. And what we found out is that the correlation is exactly the same across these two groups. So if I'm looking at Asians or Caucasian, but also if the rater is Asian or Caucasian. Uh, of course, we won't be able to say beyond any reasonable doubt that it affects globally, as we don't have data in support of these collected from other ethnic groups. But the fact that the effect has been found to exist in Asian individuals of different ethnic origin, because we have, of course, Asians from India, from China, uh, Southeast Asia, where I was based at the time, mm-hmm. um, this fact that the, the effect is consistent <laughs> across all the groups seems to suggest that this is not exclusively a Western phenomenon. Okay, interesting. Um, given you know that the the origins of the pandemic um, was believed to be in in you know what was believed to be from China. Did this weaken the halo effect in the in the Asian faces viewed by your sample groups? Um, well, in short, yes. So mm. what we did in uh, in our study, we collected data before the pandemic, then the pandemic started, and we happened to have this data for the pandemic. So what we noticed is that at the beginning of the pandemic, when the first news about virus were spreading across uh, the world, let's say, the perception of trustworthiness toward Asian faces and rated by both Asians and Caucasians, so we can go back to the fact that the effect is consistent across races, we saw a decrease in the, per- in the perception of trustworthiness, but not of aesthetic appearance. So the other effect weakened. The fact is that uh, soon after, let's say in a couple of weeks actually, the virus started to spread also to Europe and to the USA. So the news started to cover also Caucasian individuals being infected. And as such, the differences in Asians and Caucasian faces became smaller and smaller, and this happened in a matter of days, if not weeks. Are you still on the line, Gabriele? Yes. Okay, sorry. Yes. I thought I thought we <laughs> I thought we had lost lost you there. Um, thank you. I mean, uh, Sophia, do you want to ask anything? anything uh, no, else? thank you very much uh, for for your time. Very um, very interesting to to learn about this study, uh, Gabriele. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Thanks to you for having me. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That is the number. Rahil, just on a <coughs> lighter note, when obviously this was being explained, yeah, and of course on a lighter note, mm-hmm. obviously you know Manchester United had a manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, mm. and a lot of people were uh, obviously he was known as uh, the baby-faced assassin. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, he, his face is a little bit go. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. those, uh, those uh, traits, and mm. uh, you know he was a fantastic player back in the day. You know, he often didn't start, but he came on and sc- always scored goals and stuff like mm. that. So when he uh, was the manager uh, for mm. Manchester United, there was, there was I think there was a lot of hope. But I'm not sure maybe if that was the reason why people gave him more time, mm. thinking that maybe, you know, he'll, he'll deliver. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just something that came to my mind. And obviously, that's, a, that's actually a good, yeah, good point. But he, he was probably the longest time given, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's what Among I was the saying, that maybe... There was a little Maybe bit more trust fa- <laughs> because but, of but his. one thing again on a lighter <laughs> note <laughs> is that I think I think this this element that we're discussing about you know beauty and you know our, our appearance yeah. 
you're always gonna get caught out. Trust me. Yeah. On on a on on a you know on a longer period of time, there may be. Let's say you get a certain job based on how you speak or mm. you know how you look or you know. We we also have the study. We're gonna di- discuss that further. But the reality is, whatever you know, what you what your true self is, your identity would always be revealed. That's at some fact, point, because at the end of the or, day, yeah. results will show, isn't mm-hmm, it, in, mm-hmm. in, in everything? Absolutely. So, okay, so we're discussing, you know, going forward, we, we were, you know, talking about, you know, things such as, you know, cultural, let's say, skin color and weight. Um, and we were given an example of, you know, a study of African-American men and women, uh, you know, found that women with fair skin were deemed with higher intelligence and parenting skills than their, than, than their you know, uh, fair skinned men, let's say. And you know, African Americans themselves viewed fair, you know, fairer skin more positively in women than in men. But African American women, uh, you know, not only rated <coughs> dark-skinned African Americans as more intelligent, but viewed them as being more enthusiastic than their fair-skinned male counterparts. So, so it's in- interesting. You see, um, you know, how we, how all of us, kind of see beauty or, you know, see intelligence in, in yeah, in, 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 in and people. And I think that that particularly is sometimes shaped by the society and mm. the culture that we live in, um, because the, the, you know we, we can we can look at that. We talked about um, ch- China, the pandemic, and how people you know obviously after the uh, coronavirus uh, th- there Increase, was increasing yeah, in, in in bias or, or hatred towards Chinese mm-hmm. people, um, and that sort of thing. Is is you know well known to us as Muslims as well because over the the, the decades mm-hmm. we've had many um, issues where uh, the actions of certain Muslims have created a hatred or a mm. you know bad res- uh, perception about Muslims in general uh, mm-hmm. of of Arabs of uh, of Pakistanis of uh, mm-hmm. Muslims in general so so that is something that is created. Um, whereas you know when God created us and how you know we have been created as a creation um, mm-hmm. all human beings are uh, you know the same um, mm-hmm. and I think it brings us back to the life of the Holy Prophet of Islam Prophet Muhammad peace and mm-hmm. blessings of Allah be upon him he specifically made that very very clear didn't he Rahil yes, in, uh, in his uh, teaching as well as his uh, last sermon as well yep. saying that you know no black person is worth more than a white person mm. um, or you know there's no superiority over uh, any race or mm-hmm. what matters is what is in your heart and, and your righteousness and what kind of a person you are mm-hmm. and at his time when uh, you know black uh, people mm-hmm. were uh, looked down upon uh, by Arabs who were a bit more white and mm-hmm. fair skinned um, and many of the black people were slaves um, one of the prominent ones uh, was Hazrat Bilal um, who was uh, tortured uh, extremely by the uh, mm-hmm. non-believing Meccans mm-hmm. uh, because of his faith uh, as well that he mm-hmm. had become a Muslim but when he <coughs> the Prophet of Islam when, when he uh, you know when, when Hazrat Bilal accepted Islam and later on he was given so much respect that at mm-hmm. the time of uh, victory of Mecca so when the Prophet came um, back to Mecca he said anyone who comes under the flag of mm-hmm. Bilal will be granted freedom and uh, protection, you know, protection. Mm-hmm. And he was made, you know, uh, I don't know, governor of an area as well later on. Yes. And he gives so much respect. And they, were, they referred to him as Sayyidna Bilal, Sayyid, our master Bilal. Our master Bilal, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that shows us, and, and that's, that was not just the case with uh, Hazrat Bilal, it was with, with anyone, you know. And that a lot of the a, you know, yeah. prominent people that, that, that we know, let's say Muhammad Ali, mm. and why he was attracted towards Islam. Yeah. You know, if you see certain clips nowadays, 
it it was that element yeah. of you know uh, no discrimination exactly and it it kind of you know it, it it comes from the source which is the holy quran and i, I, was, I was thinking of that verse where you know where it talks about um this is uh, you know chapter 49 verse 14 where allah says oh mankind we have created you from a male and and, and a female and we have made you into tribes and sub-tribes that you may recognize that you may recognize one another mm. verily the most honorable among you in the sight of allah is he who is the most righteous among you yeah right surely allah is all knowing and all yeah. aware so you know i mean this 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 was the uh, you know the foundation and principles upon which you know these people who were who were considered weak in the society you know they they were attracted to islam and so the whole idea of islam being spread through sword and you know it just it just doesn't make sense yeah i mean yeah. if you look at certain other religions and religions <coughs> apologies so you know we find this this idea that uh, you know the the god of only our religion yes. you know, we are the ones selected from god mm-hmm. to be the best of people yeah yeah you know that islam completely rejected that idea mm-hmm. saying everybody is you know god's uh, creation and um, it it doesn't matter if you're an arab or a black people indian or white yes you know all that matters is how Uh, righteous mm-hmm. you are so mm-hmm. that Absolutely. is what exactly you mentioned that you know this is what attracts people to islam because of that uh, equality and uh, respect and uh, mm-hmm. um, and all of that and the Absolutely. reason why we 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 talked about this is because uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier as well that there are studies showing that you know people who who are of a different skin color mm-hmm. uh, or of a, a specific uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, appearance they mm-hmm. do uh, get um you know some uh, advantages absolutely and that's something that we saw with the mm-hmm. with the um, obviously we, we i think we've talked about this before as well about uh, workplaces as well that yes. sometimes people get jobs because yeah we 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 we're, we're going yeah. to come to that actually you know benefits of beauty at the, as 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 they say you know are these you know beautiful people lucky or more more successful and just better there's a research also and there's so many researches you know happening um we showed that Uh, conventionally conventionally attractive people do better in workplace uh, more likely to be leaders uh, example one in the USA you know less than 15% of men are 6 feet tall but in a fortunes list of 558% of companies have CEOs who are over 6 feet uh, more likely to earn more money for example uh, you know economists marcus mubius and tania rosenblatt If I'm pronouncing it correct, I'm really bad with pronouncing names. Apologies. <laughs> probably uh, correct. <laughs> yeah, probably correct. Uh, first established, you know, in 1994, that more attractive workers earned 12 to 14 percent more than less attractive co-workers, regardless of race or gender. Over a lifetime, you know, it, it equals to about 150 grand. You know, they they do better in education. You have teachers who are more likely to give more time and attention to better-looking students, so that. so that they do better in exam in in exams and tend to be more confident and mubius and rosenblatt say say a uh, preferential treatment in return builds confidence as well as social and communication skills uh, you know bias <coughs> towards beauty works uh, it, it it basically works both ways you've got examples such, such as a study of you know college students found that they felt they retained more information from their more attractive lecturers than the not so attractive ones. Mm. <laughs> That's very interesting, isn't it? Uh are beautiful, you know, really more blessed or does society just give them an easier ride in life? Yeah. I think, I think uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a difficult one to kind of um accept or or understand, but mm. of course, I mean, 
if there if there is uh, more time that a teacher gives to a student that they like um whether it's i know, think it's natural in in a way and and yeah. oftentimes it's Although you know it's it's very easy for us to uh, say that look she should should be giving more you know equal time and stuff but I think if we're talking about this uh, it's, it's sort of an being a natural trait but I think maybe we can learn how you know um, we know for you know for certain that that shouldn't be the factor of us judging yes, people yes yes exactly. for sure for and sure and of course I mean if you're giving mm-hmm. more attention to few students because you like them and not enough attention to the rest then that's kind of wrong because mm-hmm. they will naturally be left behind mm-hmm. because you're putting more effort into a selected few than not mm-hmm. the other one and that gives them a better platform to perform and probably later on getting better jobs mm-hmm. uh, having and better then get, yeah and then getting better better pay as well yes yes mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. so true, um, true. so it's a it's an interesting research mm-hmm. um, and and one one would hope that you know mm-hmm. That things true, will true. will change over time. Absolutely, well. but we do have an in- interview that we want to play. Um, this was this is a pre-record interview with Heather Vidos, uh, who is uh, a pro vice chancellor uh, and John Ferguson professor of global ethics at the University of Birmingham. This was conducted on Zoom, and we will play that for you right now. Assalamualaikum, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time today, Professor Withers. Um, we wanted to ask you a few questions, uh, one about your book. Um, in your book, Perfect Me, you argue that a moral framework is underpinning our attitude to beauty. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that beauty has become increasingly something that we value and value more than we value other things. So it's what we want for ourselves, that we judge our life goes well if we have it. Um, and that we judge ourselves and others by the extent to which we conform to the beauty ideal. So, for example, think about things like New Year's resolutions. Often what people want is a better body. They want to lose weight. They want to exercise more. And this is because they believe that having a better body will deliver a better self, which will deliver a better life. They'll, They'll have better relationships. They'll get a better job. So increasingly, then beauty becomes that thing that we chase after, that thing we seek, that thing that we believe will deliver the goods of the good life. So, um, and so, in in what sense would you say that this is a, a, a symptom of the the halo effect at its most extreme? The halo effect is actually much less than people believe. So it is the case that if you're attractive in in certain criteria that you will have small advantages in a very narrow range of things. So for instance, you might get the call back to the interview or you might get the first date, but actually it doesn't deliver much in the long term. Once you know somebody, um, uh, you you need to have the expertise to deliver the job, not just the looks to get the interview. Uh, If you want to have a relationship, there's a lot more that you need um, as you build that relationship than good looks. So the halo effect itself delivers a lot less than we think. Only a small margin does it deliver. Um, and then it's also the case that um, while, it, while it matters a little bit, if you spend too much time on it, then you just don't develop those other skills and practices. So in fact, beauty doesn't deliver nearly as much as we think it does. And it certainly won't deliver all those goods of the good life. That view that, oh, if only I'm 10 pounds lighter, then suddenly everything will come good. Um, that's widely believed. It's very much promoted in how we advertise, but it's actually not true. Definitely. Uh, it's, it's very common in advertising. And so you make reference to ideals in beauty. 
So how is moral language being used to reinforce those ideals? Moral language is absolutely everywhere when it comes to beauty discourse. So slogans like you're worth it, you deserve it. These are very, very moral words. And so is the converse when you let yourself go, right? These are negative moral words. Oh, I ate that naughty piece of cake or, oh, I was good today, I went to the gym. These are even hidden moral words. The morality is absolutely front and center all over beauty talk. Definitely, and, and it can re- reaffirm any negative thoughts you're having and make you feel quite bad about yourself. <laughs> um, so beauty is quite subjective, but are there any undesirable features that are globally recognised? Beauty is not very subjective anymore. We think it is because we think, oh, well, you know, it's different in different places and it changes over time. But in Perfect Me, I track the features of the global beauty ideal. And for women, there are four very clear features. Thin in some places. So that can be thin with curves. It can be catwalk thin, but you must, for instance, have a thin waist. Firm, smooth and young and those four features track globally and that really matters because we've never before had a global beauty ideal so it looks diverse because there's a range but in fact the range of what is required is getting narrower and narrower and that really matters in the past we did have very many ways to be beautiful and it was obvious it was obvious between classes in society and between different societies but with a global ideal it becomes invisible and you have to do more and more to attain it and yet it's harder and harder to see it so for instance um, things like body hair removal um, has become almost ubiquitous in the global ideal and is increasingly thought of as a hygiene practice rather than a beauty practice, where of course it is a beauty practice. If you compare that to previous ideals, so for instance, Chinese foot binding or corset wearing, they were obviously always about beauty because only some women did them. But when everybody starts doing them, then they disappear. So we have to do more, and yet we find it harder to critique it. Interesting. And so in our efforts to to make the best of our outward selves, right, um, would you agree that we are simply becoming more vain and like inherently then so less good? So I, I wouldn't agree with that. I think it's a lot more complicated than that. I think the outside is, is important. It's part of the inside. So I'm, I'm a philosopher and philosophers have been very guilty for only caring about the brain as if all we are is kind of walking sacks with a brain in it. And, and bodies are important. We're embodied beings. We need to, you know, we need to touch each other. We need to caress each other. This is how we care for our young. This is how we care for our old. And this is how we care, care for each other. So we do need to have um, a real understanding of why bodies matter and some of that of course is is how we look and how we interact but far more than how we look in a still picture so we need to move to a place where we have um, what I talk about as beauty without the beast where we recognize the empowering and positive and um, creative aspects of beauty but yet we reject some of the conforming demanding and disempowering aspects of beauty definitely thank you so much Really appreciate your time today. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Uh, interesting interview. Uh, you know, again, um, we've learned so much, uh, Zafir. You know, the um, we were discussing the benefits of beauty, um, but what are the reasons you would say for you know for these benefits that we were earlier, you know, talking about? 
Well, there's a there's a, there's a study uh, <coughs> by uh, Alan uh, Fingold, the psychologist. He says that the attractive people were perceived as more sociable, dominant, mentally healthy, intelligent, and socially skilled than physically unattractive people. Um, meaning that you know people see beauty as an asset and something that you want for yourself. So naturally, you give it <coughs> more respect, you give it more attention. Um, and love of desired things, um, uh, you know that 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 is. Uh, we mentioned in in, uh, in the op- op- as an opening verse. In yeah. A, okay. in, you know, in when when we started the program, that you know they are they are they are, you know, Allah, Allah the Almighty speaks about you know beautified for men is is a love of desired things, women, children, and. You know, uh, you know, stored up crops and you know horses and cattle and all these things. Yeah, the, these so natural things that Allah has created for us, so we can enjoy. Mm. But uh, <coughs> again, I think the test there is n- to enjoy them, but not mm. make them a a uh, something that you worship or something that uh, mm-hmm. stops you from uh, doing justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again we are reminded of in the Holy Quran many times over and over again. But yeah, I mean, you did ask the reason. The reason is, of course, as as explained in 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 the uh, interview earlier as well, and as well as uh, you know the, the the discussion that we had with our guests as well. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's it's um, it's a little bit what the society uh, does to us, uh, a little bit of our perceptions. Uh, but again, um, I think uh, whatever it is that. Uh, makes one mm-hmm. um, gi- you know prefer one thing over the other yeah it should not uh, you know uh, make us uh, do wrong it should not make yes, us yes yes no know, doubt no, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean i mean there, you could there's always a chance of as you know we're discussing this as an in, in, inbuilt bias yeah inbuilt bias. towards people that are more you know uh, are more attractive or good looking um and you know we we seem to think that you know, and this is what we were referring to uh, with our previous guest, Gabriel, um, the halo effect. Ba- yeah. Basically, you know, we, we, we seem to think that good peop- good looking people are also good, have a good character, yeah. which is not necessarily is the not case. Necessarily the case. Um, we give, you know, so we give them this. Ho- and, and the thing is, um, this is an advantage for, for people of, you know, that, that look good, that they get, you know, certain edge in life. But it comes back, um, you know, as you know, I said, as I was saying before, you get caught, you, yeah. you, you're going to get caught out. And then if it might it might hurt you when you when mm. you are at that stage, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a relationship, whether it's uh, an association, whether whether it's any mm-hmm. other, um, you know, um, relationship that you've had, mm-hmm. um, that it will it will affect <coughs> you because you you made a judgment because yep. because of an appearance. Yep. And as they say, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, judge don't yes, judge people yes, yes. by their. Uh, and also, look from the person's perspective, uh, he he feels <coughs> you know sort of an entitlement. So wherever he goes. He, he he now knows that you know based That's on my opinion, and why why is the case yeah. that on social media, you know influencers are, certain influencers are being used for advertise you know advertisement of of products and all these things, and what are those beauty standards that that are yeah. being portrayed yeah. on these platforms? Yeah, you know. So I I think that's a very very um, good topic that we're discussing today because I've come across mm-hmm. a few youngsters mm-hmm. uh, within uh, our community as well who mm-hmm. has this perception that you know. We are a little bit inferior oh. than 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 other people because we're we're not, you know, uh, of a certain appearance, and mm-hmm. and it pains me to say that, but but there there is uh, a few such things that 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 I mm-hmm. that in, really really in, was in what sense? Let's say in what? a sense that appearance, and, okay, and also that you know, 
um, you know, that our religion is different and that it, you know... Look, uh, I, I think... Very, very, very few people. Very interesting, very but I think it would be, be, be a very interesting discussion to have with them than, than, yeah. than that this is the only religion that, that talks about that... Um, in Allah, in, in Allah, that Allah is beautiful and He loves beauty. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Where does it say in Islam that you, you, don't, you, you don't care of your, you know, don't care, don't yeah. take care of yourself? Yeah. What does it to do with diet? What does it to do with how we look? Why washing ourselves for prayers? You know, yeah. um, going to prayers, Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, putting on nice, yes, yes. you know, a scent. All of these things yeah. are there and, in and our that, tradition. And that beautiful... All of these, you know, I, I, I found out in, 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 uh, in the, you know, let's go 200 or 300 years mm. back, there was a guy called Dean Muhammad who introduced these different bath, you know, this bath, uh, Moroccan bath or something like yeah. that, to to the British people here, yeah. right? Um, you know, a lot of things that we, you know, we now th- consider beauty standards were introduced by people. Yeah, you know, hygiene. So, hygiene so I think I think it's, it's yeah. to do with knowledge. It's to do about yeah. knowing who you are and and where you come from. Yeah. Um, then you're not going to have uh, in this inferiority complex yes, as you were, we, we were speaking yeah. about earlier, isn't it? And then yeah, and it's unfortunate. To, it's to unfortunate. Be and and when you try to explain to them that look, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, it was very, very few. Most people obviously are very happy in, in you know, God, how God has created them. But some people have mm-hmm. this issue. And it's all inferior, uh, you know, complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, Allah, when Allah says that he mm-hmm. loves, you know, he's created the world beautiful and he's, you know, he, he likes beauty. It doesn't mean that he likes, you know, if people are white. or if Oh, yes, if, of course it, not. Yeah, yeah. As, as, as you mentioned the verse, Inna akramakum in Yes, yes, right? exactly. Th- that, that's not going to be... <clears throat> You know the reason for you attaining heaven or hell. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's or <laughs> you know how you look. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not so. Um, I mean, let's. Um, but I think one thing I think we need to emphasize is is the fact that no matter how you look, there's 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 always a way in which you dress in in in, in which you know your demeanor. They say right yeah. how you how you present yourself. Yeah. You know would 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 automatically you know for instance when we go for a job interview why why they say wear a nice suit and you know uh, yeah be look, presentable be presentable yes, yeah. why why not why not? because these things matter they matter they and make we, an impression and exactly so we as you we as human beings this isn't and aladdin mati has mentioned in the verse he hasn't um sort of spoken about it in a in a very negative sense yeah he says this is part of a human being that beautified for men is the love of desire things mm. Right, these are things that are there, yeah. but then these things serve as a test for us. Yeah. Right, that what what do we give preference <coughs> to in our life? These things are there, as you were saying earlier, that they're there to take benefit from. But don't forget the the ultimate purpose. Yes. You know that we yeah. have. So I think this is this is what it is. But let's continue with the the problems of perception. I think here we're going to discuss more about the Islamic understanding as we're discussing now. Um, you know, we 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 always you know write to make the correlation between beauty and goodness. Are we? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm asking this question, and 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 the Holy Quran actually reminds us that it is very easy to be duped by outward appearances, um, you know, and you know uh, we have you know example from from the Holy Quran where uh, you know Iblis basically says to God, um, he he uh, you know he answered to God saying, My Lord, since Thou has adjudged me as lost, I will surely make evil appear beautiful to them on earth, and I will surely lead them all astray. Beauty on 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 the outside doesn't mean you're beautiful on the inside. Could this be the curse of beauty so that, that that's an in interesting uh discussion to have mm, um yeah you know? i mean and let's let's just if we're just looking at this verse what you know uh mm-hmm. iblis said to god that i will say satan said that you know i'll mm-hmm. i'll make uh <coughs> evil will appear beautiful yeah mm-hmm. and uh and god didn't say that yeah no that's not going to happen but he <laughs> said that mm. you know, those people who truly follow me, they will not follow you. Mm. So they will be, they will be saved. So that that means that there are many things in the world that 
we might be attracted towards mm-hmm. uh, or appear beautiful but they are bad for us there is not good they are not good for us mm-hmm. and that's very uh, you know apparent in, in our societies where where there's mm-hmm. so many temptations mm-hmm. where you can go astray easily if you do not focus on on righteousness if you do not remember god then it's easily yep. uh you know something that uh, people um, mm-hmm. go astray and th- that is absolutely. the influence of satan absolutely and remember you were alluding to this hadith of the prophet where 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 he mentioned that the, the, the outward beauty and morality do not always go in hand, hand mm. in hand mm. he says verily allah does not look at your shapes and your wealth but he looks at your heart and your actions and his holiness um the sec uh, the second caliph of the Andalusian Muslim community Mirza Bashir Ahmed may Allah be pleased with him states that the holy prophet uh, may, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him has mentioned two things which in spite of being gifts of God can and do become at times cause of great, great trial for both men and women of these one is physical beauty and comeliness which uh, becomes generally for women a source of great trouble the second is wealth and you know affluence which generally put men to great test and temptation citing both of these as examples the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said that while without a doubt there are great gifts of God nevertheless Muslims should take note that Allah does not judge the worth of people by their by his you know appraisal of of the beauty of women or of the wealth of men uh, he looks instead towards their heads and you know and hearts which are the source uh, and uh, you know, which are the source for human thoughts and feelings. And then he looks towards their deeds, which are the products of their thoughts and feelings through, you know, uh, though, phys- phys- though phys- he says, though physical beauty and material wealth are gifts of God and one should value them, what God takes note of is the heart, qalb, right, of people mm. and, and, and the amal, which, which, which are yeah. actions. It's and you see often, Holy Prophet Sallam, you know, being pointed Asked about what's righteousness? He points at the heart. <laughs> that, that, that this, this is where you know righteousness lies. So I think this, all of this is. I think you know all of these studies, and uh, you know from 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 my perspective, like you know anyone out there could could disagree with me as as a religious person, as a religious individual. All of these studies, uh, you know, are very important and yeah. and and they serve a purpose. But I think for for me particularly, it's there is a greater significance, right? And that is this is this is not you know end all and be all. Yeah, no, right? I I I, um, I, th- I think this is beautiful explanation by the second caliph because, you know, if we look at the life of uh, the prophet, uh, Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he uh, there were okay. there were people around him. I think we have. Uh, I think we have on the line our next guest. Oh, Apologies, okay, Safir. Yeah. Yeah, so fine. we have on the line Dr. Andrea Fazio, who we, we've been trying to, uh, you know, gain contact with for mm-hmm. some time. There was some te- technical di- uh, difficulty there. It's good we have him now. Yes, thank God we have him on. So Dr. Andrea Fazio is a post-doctoral uh, fellow at the University of Pavia, Italy. With the show introduction, Assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, um, let's quickly get into it. I mean, your study was based on a German sample. Um, you know, could you explain how you used it to understand people's perceptions of beauty? Yeah, uh, actually, I used uh, one of the most uh, uh, well-known uh, surveys in in Germany, mm-hmm. where people are surveyed uh, about some beliefs 
and political opinion mm-hmm. and fairness views and they mm-hmm. are and i mean they also collect data on yep. uh, standard uh, demo- demographics mm-hmm. um, such mm-hmm. as income uh, gender and age whatever um, then what is interesting about this data is that uh, actually the interviewees are also ranked actually they are rated by the interviewers mm-hmm. on beauty mm. so what I add, in addition to standard measures and beliefs, I also add the measure of beauty of the, uh, of, of, let's say, of the German people. So what I, I was able to do is to see how uh, beauty or attractiveness correlates with beliefs, political opinion, and uh, other stuff. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. And, you know, you found that attractive people were more likely to vote for Free Democratic Party in Germany. What is the significance of this finding? Yeah, actually, what I found is that there is an association between attractiveness and vote for uh, the Free Democratic Party, that is a liberal party in uh, in Germany. <coughs> I also found that, uh, actually, uh, attractiveness is positively related with taste for inequality. Mm. Okay, so like beautiful people are more f- prone to inequality. They are a bit against redistribution. Mm-hmm. Okay, so th- this is quite interesting because usually uh, the interpretation of these results is that uh, beautiful people earn more, mm-hmm. and given that they earn more, mm-hmm. they are against redistribution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once I try to control also for uh, earnings, for uh, wealth, mm-hmm. for parental background, then still I find uh, I found an association between beauty and preferences for distribution and, mm-hmm. and yes. preferences for voting for the uh, 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 Free Democratic <coughs> Party. Okay, very, so very interesting. What, yeah, so, so actually it, it is not, everything is not explained by the the let's call it, I mean the, the, the beauty premium that is uh, usually is meant for the advantages that good-looking people have. Yes, of course. And 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 lastly, due to the time you know we we have at hand, um, could you you yeah. know simply have could you know, could not simply having wealth and success make people less willing to back parties that promote higher taxes and wealth uh, redistribution? Yeah, actually, I think what, what is uh, what is uh, of interest uh, of the study is exactly to try to show how it's difficult to uh, agree upon uh, redistribution and, and taxes and uh, uh, inequality in general. Okay, so uh, for example, even uh, beauty is is uh, correlates with with this kind of preferences. Okay, so um, actually. It, it is not true that wealth alone can explain this, this relationship. Okay, so for example, there are other psychological motivations mm-hmm. that can be at place in explaining this, this um, uh, relationship. Very for right. example, now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, also, I'm also working on, a, on another, another project and I, where I show that the, the introduction mm-hmm. of the minimum wage that is actually a policy mm-hmm. for trying to reduce inequality, mm-hmm. then these minimum wage workers also, once the policy w- was introduced, mm-hmm. then they became 
less likely to demand redistribution, mm. okay? so to, to demand higher taxes. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not only the wealth; it's also how people feel about inequality that matters. Very, very interesting. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrea Fazio. And this is not the last time we'll be speaking to you. We'll, you know, definitely be contacting you and getting your, you know, expert advice into these topics that we we have here. Thank you so much. Okay, it's a pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. We are coming to the end of the first hour. Uh, We have discussed, uh, you know, beauty, whether it's a blessing or a curse. There there were various aspects to to our discussion today. So if you haven't listened to the whole program, you can go back and listen to it on SoundCloud. Come, coming to uh, the end of the program, you know, the Holy Quran warns us about, you know, this this downside of of, of beauty. Uh, you know, uh, chapter 47, verse 15 states, Is he then who stands upon a clear proof from his Lord like those whom the evil of their deeds is made to look beautiful and who follow their evil inclinations? Our opening verse also stressed that following our desire for wealth and owning beautiful things keep us very much in the material world and away from attaining the beautiful soul. This is more far-reaching, in a way, curse, uh, you know, consequences beyond this world. Um, beauty and spirituality is is another very important, uh, you know, d- d- this discussion that we had. And it, but and it doesn't have to be like that. The, fa- the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, explained, he states, when we see something beautiful or aesthetically pleasing, it is human nature to grow a natural inclination towards uh, towards it. Uh, similarly, when a person reads the majesty of Allah mentioned in, 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 in the Holy Quran and follows the tenets of Islam, they develop an inclination towards Allah. This, this, this love automatically multiplies as a person tries to adopt the beauty or have a link with being that their heart is inclined towards. Uh, so beauty is a stepping stone you know, towards sp- spirituality and developing uh, love of the Almighty. This is all we have for you today for the first hour. Do join us back after the news break. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. And welcome to the second hour of the Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. Uh, in the second hour, we are discussing poverty in current times. Uh, we are, of course, in 2022. Uh, and I know it feels like we have you know, always lived with COVID, but it's only been two years and things are kind of starting to go back to normal. We're taking off our, you know, our masks. We are, you know, getting vaccinated or we are vaccinated now. I hope we don't have to take any other, um, you know, boosters that come along. Um, and we're finally traveling again with almost all restrictions eased up for the you know, most part. But 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 are things really back to normal, or is there a whole segment of the population who is worse off than ever before? Earlier this week, McDonald's UK announced that they will be raising the price of their 99p cheeseburger for the first time in 14 years. The new price, uh, you know, 
effective immediately is £1.19. This increase represents one-fifth of the formal price. Uh, it seems like a ludicrous you know, example to give when discussing poverty, but the point to be made here is the soaring cost costs which are you know impacting every individual every business and every organization around the world and if someone as massive as mcdonald's can take a hit uh, what can be said about everyone else another question is whether these price increases are because of uh, these businesses taking a hit or because they're seeing around themselves and they're saying oh everything everything and everything uh, you know every other price is going up so this is an opportunity for us to do the same uh, the Joseph uh, Roundtree Foundation is an independent social change organization working to solve UK, UK's poverty. And according to them, more than one in five of the UK's population, about 22%, are in poverty. That is a whooping 4.5 million people. And we often hear statistics like this thrown around. But if you stop and really think about this number for a second, when you really dwell on it, you will... You know, you realize that we all know more than five people. We can't really say how many people we all know, of course. But it's more than five, right? I mean, so that means that for every five people we work with or go to school with or ride the bus with, one of them is considered impoverished. Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, and this is from chapter 74, verse 43 to 45, what has brought you into the fire of hell? They will say, we were not of those who offered prayers, nor did we feed the poor. And in the fifth, uh, in the fifth volume commentary uh, of the Holy Quran by the second caliph of the Andi Muslim community, as Amir Zabashir Din Mahmoud Ahmad, he writes, offering of prayers and feeding the poor constitute the two pillars on which the whole edifice of Islam stands. They represent man's duties to God and his fellow beings. Almost every religion urges the feeding of the poor and care for the needy. Even those who are not religious would agree that charity and kindness to our fellow human being is important. Why then, you know, we ask, why then is society in such a dire state? And is it possible even for poverty to be eradicated? I would ask, I would ask my co-host, co-presenter, I should say, um, Safisa. Why then, you know, I mean, do you think society, you know, being in such a dire state, you know, we're going through these, uh, you know, these times of, uh, you know, price hike of everything. Uh, is it possible, would, ever, would there ever be normal or would you think it would, st you think it would still stay, stay the same? Uh, I think, I think it's, uh, it's a very interesting, uh, uh, you know, uh, question. I, to be honest, in my opinion, I think poverty can be erased. Uh, and I, I, I think okay. it, it it wouldn't take very long to do that. Mm -hmm. um, if uh, billionaires and millionaires uh, in the whole you know uh, world would sacrifice uh, you know a little bit of their wealth, not half of their faith or half of their wealth, but just a little bit of their wealth, I mean, it can make a big difference. Mm. If the priorities were there, um, if governments would really uh, make uh, priority to 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 sort out the the mm -hmm. poverty issue. They can. I mean, they can spell billions and billions of pounds and dollars on on uh, on um, on you know um, on weapons and uh, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. But they can they cannot spend uh, uh, you know to to tackle poverty. Mm -hmm. I think that's a uh, that's a very very strange mm -hmm. situation. 
um, with obviously the situation now that you know the uh, prices of everything is going up uh, mm. but you on the other side you see how much how much uh, profit these energy companies are making mm-hmm. and uh, how much profit that you know these uh, rich institu- institutions are making during mm-hmm. this time then surely there is an inequality between you know mm-hmm. uh, the poor in the society the poorest in the society and the the richest so it can be eradicated it can be eradicated rather quickly i think that's something that mm-hmm. a worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has also said that mm-hmm. you know uh, if if the whole world was to unite in trying to remove poverty they could easily do that mm-hmm. i mean there's there's billions of uh, of uh, of pounds of waste mm-hmm. that is uh, food that is wasted in mm-hmm. the western world um, and on the other side there are people starving so you if you if you do the math i mean it's Mm-hmm. It's just inequality. That's mm-hmm. all it is, and priorities that people just think about themselves. They're not thinking about the poorest in society. I agree, society. but do you think? Do you think it's charity that would, uh, in my opinion, I mean, I, I put it straight for. I, I don't think charity can eradicate. No charity. Poverty. It's not just charity. You know, it's because the whole idea of how the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, let, let's say, uh, you know, in, in treatment of slaves and how they were freed and they they they, they, they were made part of the society yeah. and they were they, 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 they were made to stand on yeah. their own feet. Yeah. Right, that's that's the element that because I've because I don't know I was watching this video and you're saying that this uh, this um, you know this is a very temporary solution you know this uh, cre- yeah create the problem present I mean a if there's a person who doesn't have food mm-hmm. you know and you just give them food for one day it's mm-hmm. not going to solve the problem is mm-hmm. it what they, what are they going to do in the next day the next mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. you need to you need to sustainable invest sustainable and, and solution yeah, yeah and give them uh, education give them skills uh, and that's something that uh, needs investment. and and you know no country no no society should be relying on charity or food banks we have food banks in the uk man which is one of mm. the you know the largest economies in the world we have food banks here where people are mm. going to food bank because they can't afford to to buy food for themselves and think about the the most poorest countries think about countries in africa Af- uh, you know countries in the uh, that that really are suffering mm. you know with the grain crisis here yes. the 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 most export was to to the poorest countries you know mm. the the food was going to go to somalia to uh, you know to to sudan to to these countries where where they really rely on that mm. so i mean islam has the solution islam mm. has the solution of zakat you know which mm. which is which is which solves all of these issues but mm. people are not ready to sacrifice you know that bit of wealth no even 2.5% yeah. right exactly so that so just sho- tells shows you. the problem where the problem lies yeah Exactly. It, um okay, I mean uh, we're going to get to zakat but we're talk we're going to you know we're discussing uh about family composition and its impact on financial position. Mm-hmm. I mean we know in the Holy Quran Allah Almighty says that <coughs> do not kill your children for fear of poverty. It is it is we who provide for them and for sure and for you surely the killing of them is a great sin. Um but official figures you know show inflation running at a 40 year high of, of 9.4%. The rising cost of food is one of the major forces driving up the living costs with sharp increases in you know prices of you know staples such as milk butter and eggs uh you know propelling food prices inflation to about 9.8% mm. last month uh, mm-hmm. the guardian uh, reported that doctors are appalled at the growing numbers of uh, distraught parents with seriously ill children unable to bring them urgent hospital appointments because they can't afford the travel or you know just, just keeping in mind obviously the petrol prices they can't afford to travel or to you know um travel by other means or take a day off from the work because obviously they're losing out on money 
um, and with the you know increasingly um, larger waiting lists, um, pediatricians prioritize their most ur- urgent cases. But families of these sickest children often can't you know scrape together the thirty-one pounds that um, you know uh, is is needed for the hospital visits costs mm-hmm. uh, on on average, um, and that should you know shock a public that uh, believes in a free NHS. So we we have seen that NHS was struggling even before the pandemic, but mm. now that the pandemic happened and also obviously uh, the inflation issue is is going to push everything mm-hmm. uh, to the brink. It's of very uh, it's very concerning. Of course it is. And I think we do have on the line our first guest. Uh, we have Victoria Benson, who is the Chief Executive uh, Officer at Gingerbread. Uh, with this short introduction, Assalamu alaikum and uh, peace and blessings of God be upon you and, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hello. Thank you so much for join, joining us. Um, could you briefly describe what Gingerbread uh, does and who you support? So we're a charity. We support single parent families um, mm-hmm. in England and Wales um, and we support them in uh, two ways. We provide advice and information either via our website or our helpline. Mm-hmm. And we also um, have a network of support groups so uh, single parents can meet up with other single parents. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And would you say that single parents are more at risk of poverty when compared to two-parent families or similar educational and demographic backgrounds? Yes, definitely. So we, there were some statistics that um, from before the pandemic, actually, um, which state from the ONS, which state that single parent families are twice as likely as couple uh, families to be in uh, poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's from before the pandemic. So we think things obviously make, went much uh, worse for single parent families over the pandemic and we're expecting those uh, figures to have gone up. So close to 50% of children in, in um, single parent families are living in poverty. And, and what what impact does this kind of poverty have on uh, on the children especially because obviously they are the most vulnerable in this situation they are so um many single parents um that, i mean the, the the problems they face because they've got one income um mm. and and they've got to juggle their caring responsibilities with their parenting responsibilities and often they can only get lower paid jobs because obviously mm. they have they have to fit in with their caring um, and, and so that um, they often can um, only afford poorer housing. More mm. single parents are renting. Um, it's very, very difficult to get on, the, you know, to, to buy anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they can afford the basics. <coughs> um, if that, you know, it's, it's um, a struggle to afford um, your, your basic living costs. Mm-hmm. Anything that's a luxury is just beyond the, the reach of most single parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, at the moment, and, and since the pandemic, levels of anxiety are really, really high for single parents as well, because they've they've been dealing with with an awful lot on their own. Mm-hmm. And we do know that a lot of the children of the single parents are also very anxious because they um, can see how difficult it is for their for their parents. So, um, as well as you know, struggling with with kind of um, bills and and food, mm-hmm. there's also the mental health side as well. No doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you find an increase then in parents reaching out to you, let's say, after the pandemic? Would you know? Would you be able to you know speak on on how COVID, as well as the rising cost you know of living in the UK, could uh, yeah. you know be impacting these single parents families? So the cost of living um, crisis isn't new for single parents. Or this did start during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Pandemic. So many single parents were in insecure jobs. Um, often in the shutdown uh, sectors, and we, they were already starting to lose hours or to lose their jobs. 
and we were already starting to see increases in prices. Um, and of course, they, they also um, had increased costs because their children were at home more. So um, we were already seeing calls to our helpline increasing um, even before the cost of living, living crisis. Um, in October last year, the, the universal credit uh, £20 a week uplift was withdrawn, and, and many single parents relied on that um, to feed and clothe their children. So um, so, so at that time, we, we started to get more and more calls where people were really worrying about how they were going to afford the basics because they don't have any any room in their budgets. They don't have any buffers. You know, it's basically as every, every penny was accounted for. Mm. Um, and when the fuel crisis and the, and the, the, and the discussions about what fuel costs were going to be um that um has that really um led to really high levels of anxiety uh, and now people are really worried what's going to happen in in the autumn when the next um price increases in fuel go go on because they think you know we're, we're all right now it's the summer we can we can we don't have to heat the house um mm. and, and maybe we can build up a bit of credit with fuel companies but they're, they're really worried because because really they have to choose which bill they're not going to pay you know mm. which which of my essential bills will i not pay mm. and um obviously the, it doesn't look like things are going to get any easier for families and uh, children what do you think is uh, needed in this coming months and uh, weeks to to help people out? I mean, essentially, what what does the government need to do? So, seventy five percent of single parents are on universal credit, and that's expected to go up to ninety percent by the end of twenty twenty four. So, uh, you know, a very high proportion of single parents are on very low incomes. That's not to say they're not working, because most single parents are working. Mm. Um, and, and the basic problem is that single parents don't have enough income week on week, um, and they, they need help um, affording, a, you know, a, a grocery shop. So really what the government needs to do is provide support to um, those struggling families through, through benefits, through universal credit. Um, the the one-off payments that they've announced recently, that the first one's just come through, are going to help a bit, but they're not enough um, mm. because every single week there isn't enough money to buy the basics. And the government needs to start listening to these families and, you know, to start supporting them because it is, <laughs> it's not the luxuries. And it, and it is, you know, ultimately it, it is children who are mm. going to go without. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, but, but like, you know, on the other side, the government might say that, you know, we, we don't have unlimited funds uh, or, you know, they can't bear the burden of, of this inflation entirely. What would you say to that? Well, I, I, I mean, I would so today the, the profits of the, the um, energy companies were announced for a start. Mm. Um, and it's seem very, very wrong to me that those companies can say, make such huge profits when, um, when, when people can't afford to eat. Um, I would say this is a crisis um, and they can't afford, it's, it's not a choice really because we already know that parents are going without food, we know that children are going to go without food um, and you know this isn't a choice, it's the government's responsibility to support the most vulnerable in society. Mm, absolutely and of course as you mentioned these companies are making exceptionally high you know profits and uh, yeah. certainly some some way you know that could be uh, directed towards uh, the poorest who, who need that. Thank you very much um, for uh, joining us, Victoria. Uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you.
Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. 0208-687-7878 is the number to call. We're discussing poverty um, and uh, how it has impacted families and all of us, of course. I mean, but they are always who are, you know, in a more difficult situation yeah. than, than, than us. Look, Rahil, I mean, recently we know what what was happening with the fuel and, yes. uh, you know, the, the petrol prices going up like crazy. Um, and the companies, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're making huge money. Um, 600, six, 600 million for the highest earner SSE um, uh, in profit before taxes. Mm. Um, you know, they say that, that, that you, you know, six, um, the UK's big, big six energy companies raked in more than a billion pounds of profit ahead yeah. of this year's yeah. record hike in so bills. I mean, I mean, look at that. Look at how much the 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 the, the gas companies and the mm. the petrol companies made, um, oil companies are making. I mean, certainly the government you know could look into you know um, mm-hmm. and direct that uh, profit. Maybe you know tax them a bit more, just off tax, uh, one off tax at least to to help people because it's really is uh, you know unacceptable that these are some of the numbers of profits that uh, mm-hmm. these companies are making and on the other side people really cannot have food uh, on a daily basis uh, here in the UK and this is just you know we're, we're talking about a, a, a country that is a rich country but t- let's you know let's not forget that there are countries in the world that basically do not have these mm-hmm. uh, economies they do not have uh, even any uh, capacity to support their people. Yep. So it really is a, a, a worldwide problem. Look, and the the, problem the honesty is, is policies as well. Let's yeah. be very honest about it. I was, I was looking at this video, and I'm not an expert into this, and they were saying that energy prices in, in, in France went only up by 4%, mm. as compared to UK by 50, 54%. Yeah. Why? Mm. You know, would be the question. Where, where, you know, we're both in Europe, uh, you know, um, so, so I mean, there, 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 there's a lot of factors there, um, you know, that 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 one can discuss. Um, but the thing is, you know, as you know, whoever's in government, they need to make policies to th- that are thinking about people and not big corporations. Yeah, that's the end all. You know, that's the uh, you know, uh, that's the gist of the matter. You know, and and this is where you know where we see that, um, and and this sort of a. You know, uh, it has a compound effect when you, you know, you have one issue that leads to another, to another, to another. And we're seeing that with, you know, COVID, Brexit, COVID, you know, poverty, you know, food banks. And I was thinking this is issues at home, you know, divorce taking place. Children then, you know, uh, are not being looked after. So, you know, we, we're going through these the, these times. but the, and, and of course, there is there is overall issues in the world where you know th- what's happening in ukraine and all all of these things that's all understandable but the whole world is going through that yeah they are, and so we got we got a little look around in terms of the government what are some of these countries that are you know that are, also have taken a hit but not as much as us mm. what are they doing what are their policies yes and to learn from that exactly absolutely i mean once again um Coming back to what we were talking about earlier um, about uh, families struggling, the, according to the Office of Nas- National Statistics, there are about uh, 2.9 million lone parents' families in uh, 2020, which accounts for about 15% of families in the UK. Married and civil partnered couple families remain the most common family type, but this is a declining trend in the UK as more people choose to live together before or without getting married. As a society, we are steering away from what is traditionally viewed as the nuclear family, as single parenting is not uncommon anymore. 
whether it be a mother or a father or a single parent who is struggling financially, adds a further element to complexity to an impoverished uh, child's life. And of course, as we talked about this, the children you know, are the ones that are suffering the most uh, because of this. Their upbringing, their nutrition, their education, all of these things will be impacted by these issues. Now, um, in his book, uh, The New World Order of Islam, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, writes, One of the principal causes of social inequality in the accumulation of poverty and wealth in a few hands um, is, is this fact that uh, the accumulation of poverty and wealth is in a few hands so that the common people are deprived of all chances of acquiring proper, uh, property for themselves. That's exactly what we were talking mm, about. Mm. Islam forbids the hoarding of money. That is to say, it directs that money should be constantly in circulation. It mm. must either be spent or invested so that it constantly fulfills its primary object as a means of exchange and should promote commercial and industrial activity. According to the Office for National Statistics, wealth is unevenly distributed between individuals in the UK, in the Great Britain, with the wealthiest 10% estimated to hold around half of all the wealth that is available. So that just shows you the mm -hmm. exactly the point that um, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community made, that mm -hmm. the problem of poverty is that the wealth is only in a few hands. Mm -hmm. If it was in circulation, like, you know, constantly in business or invested and, you know, money yes, going around yes. like that, everybody will benefit from that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the, of course, tax will also be paid and then that will also be helping um, the government mm -hmm. deal with the, with, with the issue of poverty. Mm -hmm. However, um, the, the full picture of wealth is difficult to measure, which uh, could mean that Britain's richest individuals hold a larger share than our estimates suggest. And, I mean, of course... Nobody should think that we're saying that people cannot be wealthy. That's completely fine. And of course, people who have worked hard, they deserve their, their you know, their their fruits and whatever they've mm -hmm. earned. But Islam Islam says that, you know, you should, with, with greater wealth comes greater responsibility as well. Mm -hmm. That you have more responsibility towards, you know, helping out the, the needy. And just from that, one portion, not all, not half, one portion you're giving to help the poor. So mm. what is stopping you from that? That's... That's the issue that we face in, in, in our Western countries is that there are people who have got unlimited, you know, money. Mm. They've got properties, they've got overseas properties, and they've got so much wealth that they need to hide it in, in other mm. countries, right? Mm -hmm. But if you were to circulate that little bit of money and, and spend that on the poor or, or give it for charity, then it could, you know, change the life of, of thousands of people, millions of people. That's true. Uh, um, did you mention the national statistics uh, yeah. value thing? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's astonishing. I mean, how <coughs> wealth is, you know, unevenly, you know, the way it is unevenly di di distributed. And you know, we were talking about, um, we were talking about, let's, we were talking about the the energy prices. You know, just 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 for an example. Um, and and, uh, and and one of the reasons, you know, I was mentioning there could be very various reasons is that. Um, in France, uh, you know, uh, the public sector owns, you know, the 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 the, the energy supply, mm -hmm. and they also, you know, uh, basically sells it to, to the UK as well. Where uh, where and and and, there's, and it says that you know we there's no chance of cutting bills while the private sector runs the UK energy market. Yeah, uh, you know, unless you know, um, and in 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 one of these articles that was I think it was published in Guardian. Um, you know, it mentioned uh, that you know, basically, Britain needs to you know address three things 
uh, to deal with the crisis at hand. And we basically said we, we actually need to transition to generating renewable energy. We need to make sure our national grid is ready for this change and we need to reduce the prices charged by en- energy sub suppliers. So, I mean, look, uh, we don't know when when, and how this is going to you know, work or things are going to go back to normal. Um, we can only hope for the best. You know, that's all uh, we can do and, and, and create awareness and, and of course, uh, you know, present. I think from, from, from especially <coughs> with those Muslims that are listening and, and I, I know, um, it's like, um, you know, when the statistics come out, I think we were d- discussing this, there's like 100 million or something Muslims uh, paid in charity in I think one year or so, some, something like that. So uh, Muslims do, but I think there are, there are still people out there that don't give their due of zakat and they mm-hmm. don't understand the importance of of that. Some of them will be even praying five times a day, yeah. you know, and um, Zakat being, I think, the third p- p- pillar, you know, fourth, fourth pillar. Right. Mm. So, so, so the importance is there. Mm. Um, and, and, and this is something that, you know, we all need to think, think about. But n- next, I think we have on the line our next guest. We have Dr. Azhar Siddiq, who is a manager of Humanity First UK Food Bank in Warsaw. Uh, he also works for Humanity First at the Medical Lead for Ghana. Assalamu alaikum uh, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah and uh, thank you for having me. Jazakallah azhar for joining us. Um, let's get straight to the questions. Uh, Humanity First is involved in you know several projects around the world which are all aimed at improving the standard of living, you know, of those who are less fortunate. Can you speak to some of you know? Can you speak about some of these you know uh, programs and how they are helping alleviate the burden of poverty? Let's like gift of sight, you know, water for life, all these different projects. Yes, sure, inshallah. Uh, so, assalamualaikum. Um, yes, yeah, so, so I, I've had the privilege, I would say, in working in West Africa, namely in Ghana, mm-hmm. as the medical lead, as you said, uh, for Humanity First in this country, mm-hmm. and. Uh, one of the greatest problems we see is uh, access to healthcare for rural populations. And that not only means the ability to travel distances to access healthcare, but then it also means, and largely, their ability to fund healthcare. And it's the latter, often, that means that it's prohibitive for them. They cannot, cannot go forward with uh, accessing healthcare. Um, so, all these healthcare initiatives um, are there to try and reduce poverty by access, uh, increasing their access to healthcare, and this mainly affects the the underprivileged. Um, so, for example, you mentioned the gift of sight, and in a whole region in Ghana, there may be only one eye doctor. In fact, there may not even be a single eye doctor in a whole region. So. Mm. For these patients then to go out of region, have the resources to travel, access mm-hmm. that health care, which is reliable, which is cost effective, um, and then be able to afford it is almost impossible. Mm. And this is where Alhamdulillah uh, Imanti first comes in. Uh, a lot of these uh, issues with sites are reversible sight loss. Mm-hmm. And these are people who, you know, who work and earn money and are breadwinners for the family. And so it makes a massive impact on them if we can operate on these uh, individuals, return their sight so they can get back to an active um, lifestyle within their community and continue to contribute to their community. Uh, You know, you mentioned others like Water for Life. Uh, Again, 
issues with access to clean water, uh, those who cannot access it at all. There is a much higher incidence of communicable diseases due to drinking dirty water, and that has its associated morbidity and mortality. And there are implications for those who otherwise try to travel to get clean water. You know, it's often children or the younger members who, who do that, and that means they have to sacrifice their education. Um, so getting uh, um, water pumps installed within communities uh, so they don't have to travel, mm -hmm. so they have clean water, they don't have the risk of communicable diseases, is, you know, a, a massive boost to these populations. Um, and, you know, there are many others that you mentioned. You mentioned the orphan care program. Many parts of Africa are grappling with an orphan crisis. I've recently read that in Uganda, mm -hmm. nearly one, there are nearly one million orphans, which is 10% of the pediatric population. Wow. Now, that may be due to conflict, war, HIV, AIDS, mm -hmm. other things. And, uh, and therefore, these children are often left with grandparents or other relatives who may not be able to look after them and therefore they're exploited, they fall into criminal activity. Mm. Um, and there's a massive socio and economic uh, effect on the country. So Humanity First, by the orphan care program, is putting them into a safe care environment, you know, going through all the legal framework and loopholes of the various countries to get children admitted into that environment so they can be educated, they can be fed, you know, they can be clothed. So they have at least a reasonable chance of a good upbringing and some education which will help them out uh, in the future. And and I suppose finally there's the global health scheme, which is what I'm involved <coughs> in. I'm leading on medical care in, in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And getting out there and visiting peripheral hospitals, such as in the Upper West region in Wa, where we went, mm -hmm. um, gives a massive boost to the local population you know it's not only taking equipment out there which will help the local hospitals but it's also training and mm. teaching and education and handing <clears throat> on knowledge and skills which they don't have mm. so all these allow those hospitals with minimal resources to treat the people in their local communities rather than them having to look to travel elsewhere and to access a healthcare in other places well, I guess these are some of the ways I hope um, that uh, HFUK can can alleviate poverty uh, through these schemes. Mm, absolutely, and it's wonderful work that Humanity First is uh, doing over so many years. Uh, Dr. Azar, yeah. do you mind me asking, when was the recent uh, visit you, you paid to, to Ghana? So we recently went in early June. In early so we June. Went in early June this year, and, and prior to that we went in November of last year. Okay. Um, have you seen any sort of significant changes um, in 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 Ghana, for example, especially as we're talking about a worldwide, you know, uh, issue with with poverty increasing, uh, you know, um, things getting more and more difficult, expensive for 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 people. Yeah, I mean, I can I can speak to the the healthcare projects. Mm. Um, I mean, clearly there are massive socio-economic problems in parts of Ghana and these are outside you know my field uh, of, of expertise obviously there are mm. large geopolitical forces involved here mm. um, and I, I clearly I don't want to go into those but because of those largely political forces people 
do not get <coughs> access to the food, to the medications, to the immunizations, to the educational opportunities that, that they wish for. And therefore they fall into a cycle of poverty. Um, and that combined with access to poor healthcare means that um, they are more at risk of, of getting diseases which otherwise are easily treatable. And they therefore are associated with a higher morbidity and a higher mortality. So uh, this vicious circle of poverty, which exists in many parts, particularly of Western Africa, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we have experienced, we have seen, we have visited some of these peripheral areas and have seen the very difficult conditions in which large families live and try to try to get by. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, with, with, with these initiatives that we've talked about, um, inshallah, and with people's prayers and with their efforts and their contributions, we can make an impact. Very interesting. Um, one, you know, common, you know, argument against, uh, you know, donating to charities is, 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 is often the misappropriation of assets and, you know, general misuse of funds, which are, um, raised and are then you know used for uh, admin purposes rather than actually helping whatever cause they're you know they're being don donated sure. for. How yeah. can we you know uh, be sure that the funds we donate are not misappropriated, and how can we trust that they are put to a good use? I mean that, that's a really good question, um, and we have seen you know with many charities embroiled in all sorts of problems mm -hmm. around the globe uh, and i think this is really where hfuk stands out and mm -hmm. this is really where we are different they are in my experience they are extremely stringent in terms of ensuring there is a very clear audit mm -hmm. of um, their financial contributions and there are clear lines of accountability for those who look after the finances. Mm -hmm. And also, um, my experience has been that with funds which are donated to Humanity First UK, an absolute bare minimum is used on administrative purposes. And mm -hmm. the vast majority, if not all, of your contribution will go completely to what you intend for it to be uh, donated for. And I think, as a slight aside, mm -hmm. uh, we can understand that uh, this is the bless due to the blessings of Khilafat. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, HF UK HF was a Khilafat-inspired institution, mm -hmm. and therefore it is a Jamaat Amdiya institution, mm -hmm. and therefore it carries um, the principles and the values that we have in the Jamaat. But although it is a Jamaat institution, we serve people irrespective of who they are. They are without prejudice, and mm -hmm. one of those values, I suppose is sacrifice, that we cannot consider serving anybody without mm. some form of sacrifice, and that's usually financial sacrifice. Absolutely. And so, um, for example, us as doctors, we are expected, and we very happily mm -hmm. pay for our expenses rather than asking HFUK to do it. Mm. And that's our small contribution to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where those underlying principles and ethos of Jamaat Amdiya come through and are instilled in everything that HF does. So it's through those things that I am quite sure mm -hmm. that, alhamdulillah, by the grace of God, all the funds are going to where people are donating them for. 
Um, and people should be completely... Re- I can't talk about other charities, obviously. Yes. They would have to speak for themselves, but certainly mm-hmm. for Humanity First UK, I can absolutely reassure members about that. Thank you so much. Um, lastly, I think we wanted to ask you, you know, whether ultimately do you feel that uh, poverty whether on a local level or a global level, is something which can one day be eradicated? Inshallah <laughs> is, is, I guess, my response to that. Um, it's a huge problem, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a difficult question to answer, I, I guess. I mean, it speaks to a much bigger picture that I've already alluded to. There are huge geopolitical forces involved here in the provision of adequate food and medical supplies around the world. And they are easily affected by things. So we've seen with the mm-hmm. Ukrainian crisis mm-hmm. recently how the wheat, the millions of tons of wheat, for example, which are stored in Ukraine, cannot get out to Africa. Mm. And Africa depends on that. So these are very fragile situations. And um, that's why I think it's difficult to say for sure. But but certainly I, I would kind of reflect on the words of beloved Hazur Akta, Sayyid al-Tala bin Aziz, was said, uh, as we all know, that in order um, for us or for countries to offer justice to people, they must first recognize their creator. Mm. And only then can they begin to offer justice at all levels of society, community levels, all the way up to national levels. Mm -hmm. And when they recognize their creator, obviously, with that belief, they recognize that there is a desire and a responsibility to serve the creation. Mm. of Allah, to serve mankind. Uh, and I think without that, as Hazur has very clearly said, then these problems may well not disappear, and mm-hmm. therefore these problems will continue for some time. Mm-hmm. But as I say, we hope and we pray with Hazur's prayers also that, that things will improve, and certainly uh, until that time comes, HFUK, I can certainly speak for them, you know, we'll continue to work very hard to enhance and to <coughs> spread the work that we do and and to serve as many people as we can and to get, you know, more volunteers and more donations on board. Absolutely. Inshallah. Absolutely, Inshallah. Dr. Azza. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Sahib. It was a pleasure <coughs> uh, speaking to you, um, you know, you. G- giving us uh, insight into, you know, the... Uh, how you, you, Humanity First actually runs. So thank you so much for joining us. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullah. Such a, you know, great gap, you know, to fill um, that mm-hmm. these charities are, are trying to, to do and uh, Humanity First, you know, um, <coughs> yeah. is, is playing such a big role um, uh, and, and so much effort goes into, um, you know, to, to reach those those areas uh, that need the most um, help. So may Absolutely. Allah bless uh, all the workers, all those who are involved, uh, volunteers, course, yes. and, uh, and the efforts of the Humanity First organization. Of course. Um, you know, before the, before actually going to Dr. Azizai, we were talking about um, zakat and mm. its importance. Yeah. I mean, we know the Holy Prophet, uh, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, actually disapproved of begging. Mm. Um, he said, he who begs from people when he has sufficiency will come to the day of resurrection with his face begging uh, showing itself as scrapes, scratching and uh, decorations on his face. And he also stated at once that it is better for one one of you to take his rope, bring a load of firewood on his back and sell it. God thereby, you know, preserving, uh, uh, you know, his, his self-respect than that he should beg from people whether they give him anything or refuse him. 
According to the law of Islam, one has to pay, we know, 2.5% of one's uh, cash, money, you know, capital, stock and tradable assets, including jewellery in gold and silver, of which, you know, one was uh, in possession for one full year. Now, provided that one had more than the accessible limit, this is paid to help the poor and the needy, as has been, you know, commanded by the Holy Quran. And explained and 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 put into practice by the Holy Prophet, uh, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And you know there is a great emphasis of zakat. We know in the Holy Quran, Allah says in in, in chapter seventy three that uh, and verse twenty one, and observe prayer and pay the zakat, and lend to Allah a goodly loan. And whatever good you send on before you for your souls, you will find it with Allah. It will be better and greater in reward. Something that comes to my mind, and of course, we will be going to our next uh, esteemed guests. We have uh, we have on the line <coughs> Imam Sahil Muniz, Imam Sahib. One thing, something very interesting with Doctor Azhar said, our previous guest mm. is, um, in order to you know serve mankind, there has to be uh, you know um, there, there has to be an element of 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 sacrifice. Yeah. Right. In some way or form, another. Mm. Right. Um, and 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 we find you know um, in in the Holy Quran where Allah the Almighty says that you would not attain righteousness until you spend out of that which you love, right? And it's it's often you know people uh, have to sacrifice their comfort, their yeah. wealth, you know, their yeah. time, sometimes their honor. You yeah, know, exactly. A part part of our pledge uh, to you know to give these sacrifices for the betterment of society. Yeah. Um, so with that, we'll be going to our next guest. We have on the line uh, the missionary of the Hindi Muslim community, Sahil Munir Sahib. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings. Wa alaikum wa Jazakallah. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're speaking about uh, poverty and you know, particularly zakat and, and, and what role it plays from, from, from an Islamic perspective. I mean, there are five pillars of Islam and though you know, we won't go into details for all of them one of them is actually you know paying of zakat uh, can you briefly you know explain to us the concept of zakat and what the purpose of this is yes uh, you have already mentioned it uh, it was firstly introduced by Allah in the Holy Quran mm-hmm. and uh, zakat is basically a perfect way also to beat poverty mm-hmm. um, as already mentioned it was introduced by Allah and uh, it is a one means for a Muslim to come closer to Allah to mm-hmm. beat him and uh, if you look into the actual meaning of the card, the card means basically to purify. So the card purifies a person, but also the world of a person. Mm-hmm. Now, how is this possible? Um, you need to understand that the card is not a text. The card means that something you have saved for at least four years, you belong in, which you haven't touched for a year, mm-hmm. 2.5% after the year, you have to give to those people in need. Mm-hmm. This could be anything. Could be money. Could be uh, uh, clothing. Could be even uh, jewelry. So those things which you haven't touched for a uh, uh, year, two point five percent of that is given to those people in distress or who are living in poverty. Uh, according uh, about jewelry, for example, if jewelry is given to someone during the year or someone to someone else and it's used for a few days, then of course the guard is not paid for that jewelry. But if it's not then after a year, of course, you need to pay the card. Even, you know, those houses you gave to rent, even for them, you need to pay them the card. But all the other belongings that you use very often, which you have used usually as well during the year, you don't have to pay the card. Mm-hmm. Now, you need to understand, you know, the card is basically very beautiful. The card brings the whole society together. 
for example, you know, we have, we have, we were in cl uh, clothes, mm -hmm. but we know that clothes, we didn't make the clothes. So someone else has to write those clothes as well, even though we purchased the clothes. But I said someone else made the clothes, so the, the guard is paid also to those people who actually helped or make uh, helped us making these clothes. Um, but you know, uh, Sophie, you know, as you have mentioned a really beautiful quote of the second caliph where he said that poverty still exists because the world is only in few hands, a few rich hands. Mm-hmm. If these rich people start getting, you know, they have a lot of savings. If they would start uh, spending those savings, they haven't used for a year to those people living in poverty and distress. Well, we could see a different, uh, totally different society because mm. this is the way we would be battle very a big problem which we know as poverty. Mm -hmm. And uh, therefore, um, these people, you know, their duty makes uh, the government also makes understand the duty of the rich people. They have towards those people who are living in distress or in poverty to help them to uh, provide the means to them as well. So the guard, you know, is basically the guard is describing, describing the beautiful life of the Holy Prophet. I can't go into that, but you, uh, the Holy Prophet was known as someone who would give to people, who would never say no to anyone. Mm. So the guard is, you know, if someone gives the guard only to please Allah, because that's the purpose, Allah will increase his wealth as well. He will help that person as well. So the guard is, as I said, can battle poverty in a very good way. Yeah. Um, Jazakallah for, for explaining that uh, uh, brilliantly. Uh, coming on to like what happens with the with the zakat, obviously when it's collected, that money which is gathered through the uh, system of zakat, how how does it then um, help people? How how is it spent? You know, as I said, zakat is basically for the whole society. You know, it's helping the society, especially <coughs> those people in need. So one thing it is helping those people who are living in poverty and distress. But also those who are debt, who debt to who are debt to pay to other people. Mm -hmm. But the card is also providing convert convenience for travelers. Mm -hmm. And the, the most important thing is also providing stipends and scholarship. You know, as this is very important, Islam is, has uh, specified that to gain knowledge is very important for the society as well. And then, uh, of course, uh, the card is also um, providing ransom for prisoners of war. And of course, also for the propagation of true Islam, which is also very important in this day and age, as people have wrong uh, ideas of Islam. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, there are also very other uh, beneficial things for the society. Mm -hmm. So the guard is for the whole society, bringing the whole society together, where rich people are helping the poor people. You can say basically, rich and poor people are working together for making the society to a better place. Absolutely. Um, lastly, I mean, we wanted to ask you, you know, capitalism versus communism we know two systems um, that are often discussed uh, you know we know that they're both opposite extremes and uh, but you know can the argument be made that one or the other is better at abolishing poverty while ensuring the overall well-being of a nation as the two don't necessarily have to go hand in hand uh, what are your thoughts my thought is that if you look into history both are not helpful for the society or for the mankind Mm. What we have seen is that, like, if you look into slavery, in the time of slavery, we've seen that rich people, they took the means of those poor people, especially if they went to the poor country, and they took all the means, and mm. for the own... You know, His Holiness, may Allah be self, he has specified, pointed out that point that rich people, or rich countries have duties over those poor people, or poor countries, to help them. But what we have seen is, that they have taken the money from those people and uh, so the rich people are whatever they, 
they got richer and poor people they got poorer. And even in this day and age, we see the same thing. You guys you have pointed out these things uh, of, of listening to the conversation where you were mentioning that here um, the government should look after the people instead of those big companies. Uh, and, and this is why unfortunately what's happening is that um, both capitalism and communism. Mm -hmm. You know, both ignore uh, <coughs> the rights of other people, especially of poor people. You know, communism is completely ignoring the rights of those hardworking people mm -hmm. who are working very hard. And capitalism is, as I said, where basically rich people or rich countries are getting richer and the poor countries or poor people are getting ignored. Mm -hmm. And that's wrong. And the God is basically the, the answer for, for that, that the God is telling the opposite. Mm -hmm. God is telling us that we should come together as a society and rich people should understand the duty towards those people in need, towards those people in uh, living in poverty. Mm. So capitalism and communism has showed the back picture of mankind to the world. Very interesting and uh, thank you so much for joining us, um, uh, Imam Sahil Munir, uh, and giving us you know, your answers. Thank you so much once again. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number. Uh, we've done many programs on, uh, you know, <coughs> poverty. We've done programs on capitalism and communism. Um, but you know, when we you know devote our mind to you know these systems, which uh, you know uh, we, we're basically bound to come to a conclusion. I'm talking of systems of capitalism and and com communism. That both these systems uh, totally belong to an opposite extreme. And we know Islam, whatever the matter is. It's 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 kind of contrary to to an extreme. It always tells you about a middle middle path, and if you know we see capitalism, which is uh, you know responsible for the um, you know distress of great number of people living living under it, yeah. and due return is given to the real producer of wealth. Communism also completely ignores uh, you know the labor and effort put in by a real producer of wealth. Under this system, the person who has put in the labor to produce is totally deprived of its possession. The result is that the true zeal to work with earnestness dies out and communism also fails to define human needs uh, with a state determining such needs. Now, yeah. I mean, briefly, we only have four minutes or so. We know this from the life of the Prophet. We had companions who were very well off, you know, very affluent. And we had companions who weren't very well off. They didn't have, you know, proper clothes to wear. Yet we don't find... I, I always mention this example, uh, you know, an, uh, an example of animosity among them. Why is the case? It's because of zakat. Mm. They knew that they had to pay their, their, their due. And we find this in the Holy Quran. It says, mm. That in their wealth was a share for one who asked for help and for one who could not. Mm. So they knew these companions who were, who were very well off or affluent that in whatever wealth that we have, we, there is a share for these people. And I think this, yeah. is, this, this is the answer to, you know, to uh, the, the, the problems of society that we have in today. Yeah, and there were companions who... You know, prof the prophet would would ask them to <coughs> do extra sacrifice. Absolutely, and they would do extra sacrifice. But mm -hmm. Allah will bless them. Allah would bless them even more. Like Hazrat mm -hmm. Usman, um, I think yeah. was very very wealthy. He was known to be very wealthy mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And every time <coughs> the prophet, you know, had some uh, some some need for uh, for the propagation of Islam, he would ask them ask him, and he would you know give so much, and then Allah blessed him even more. There is obviously, I think, what people don't understand is that. Zakat is something that purifies you. That's mm -hmm. what it means. It it cleanses you. Mm -hmm. So the 
financial <coughs> sacrifice for the greater good is supposed to cleanse people. Mm. So if they do this sacrifice, yeah, not only will absolutely. they be more righteous, very, very valid but it will help people. Absolutely. Remember you saying, we're saying it purifies your wealth. What is wealth? You love your wealth. That's and, what we talked about in the exactly. first hour, right? And, and, and the, the essence of that is basically purifying yourself, that yeah. you're giving something that you love, you know, something that you, you know, something that, 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 that has very, you know, a lot of importance to you. So we have come to the, you know, end of the two hour program. <coughs> My and my throat is kind of, <coughs> you know, yeah. good timing now. Good timing, isn't it? But yeah, we've you know, as as well as those who are listening, we have also learned a lot from our guests that we have in the first hour. We discussed uh, beauty, whether it's a bl- it, it it is a blessing or curse. Um, and we would also like to thank uh, you know the producers Nabila Shah for the first program and all you know all the tech team. Uh, as well as others who are involved in making this program uh, successful and you know also for the you know se- second program as well um, so you know before we, we we take leave from you um, any last words Safir in with regards to poverty okay that that, that question of whether poverty can be eradicated um, in a few words yeah yeah no I mean as we discussed it can be but we need uh, major changes for that and first and foremostly there needs to be a, a, a recognition of uh, God Almighty and uh, that will create some uh, some uh, righteousness, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, uh, and sympathy in, in people where they, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. share their wealth with with those who, who, who need it, whether it's on a governmental level mm-hmm. or individual level. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better. Um, with that, we, we have come to the end of the program. It was... Uh, it was a pleasure speaking to all, all the guests and, and, and learning actually different perspectives to mm. and and so interesting to see, you know, especially for the first uh, first hour of the program about beauty and, and, and all of the research that's happening, yeah. you know, in relation to COVID and, and, and ev- ev- everything. Um, with that, uh, we're coming to an end and just just this should serve as a reminder that we should always be on a lookout and, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reminded us to in in worldly aspect to look below us mm. right and in spiritual aspect to always look above us and, and this is an example that i would like to leave you with look around yourselves if you know do whatever the best you can do for your families you know for those who are not very well off in society um with that assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu may peace and blessings of allah be upon you all